Happy Valentine's Day, sweetheart. Happy Valentine's Day. It's so nice to have a night out to ourselves. Oh, I know, right? I'm glad we could get a sitter. Oh, would uh, would you mind passing the salt real quick? Uh, sure. After I'm done with it. Civil War. Oh, of course. No worries. Hey, uh, what movie did you want to see tonight? I was wondering if you wanted to see 1917? Nah, let's go see Birds of Prey. Civil War. Oh, that's a great idea. I forgot that was in theaters. Hey, you want to split a dessert? Sure. Key lime pie? Are you sure? They have creme brulee. Civil War. Okay, okay. Stop that voice. We're just discussing things. We're not having a civil war. Yeah, we're coming to a nice agreement. Uh... Civil War? No, you go away. We're going to have a nice date, go home, and... Talk about comics? Civil. Yes! I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our first episode covering Civil War. One. Civil War One. Well, we didn't say two. We did not say two. So you would assume. That's right. Uh, we're going to be covering the, uh, the American Civil War, uh, the conflict from 1861 to 1865. Oh, that's the one? Yep. Not the Spanish Civil War, you know, the precursor to World War II. Well, kind of a precursor to World War II. Not that one. Gosh, there's a lot of civil wars. Yeah, people have a lot to fight about. But not us. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. We're going to come into a lot of agreements in this uh, episode of Chris's. I should actually specify, since we were joking around, we were specifically talking about the comic Civil War, not the movie Civil War, but that would be be very off-brand for us to suddenly be covering uh, Marvel movies right smack dab in the middle of when they made Marvel hey, movies. Hey, but everybody is ep- or every episode could be somebody's first episode. That's right. Thanks, Jim Shooter. Before we get into any uh, summarizing or uh, discussing this comic that we are going to maybe like or not like, we have... An iTunes review. So, a five-star review from STC414 says, I appreciate your podcast. And it has some some muscle arms and like... A smiley face. A smiley face. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. And it says, uh, STC414 says, hey, Chris is, Chris is, Chris C, Chris people. Hope I got that right. Yeah, sure. I mean, we do call the podcast Chris's, so I think you're pretty safe with Chris's. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be upset about it. I'd be (laughs) hypocritical. I appreciate your family-friendly comic podcast. There aren't enough family-friendly podcasts anymore. P.S. Have you guys heard of Hero Clicks? What do you think of it? So I've heard of Hero Clicks. I don't know if you have. Uh, I mean, I have definitely heard of it. Are there little figures? They are. Are they the figures that you paint? Mm, I don't think that's the default. I think they usually come painted. Oh, okay. It's one of... Is it like a combat strategy game? Yes. Okay. I played a older precursor to Hero Clicks that was based off of Mech Warrior, which is like battling suits. 
Oh, okay. In high school. And I think Hero Clicks is not unlike that. Collecting games that involve collecting figures is not really for us. Uh, Christy and I bought a house that does not have like a super abundance of extra storage. So we are like, I feel like we are v- people who are very much dedicated to making the most with the small space that we have because <laughs> we are not really planning on expanding. And so Hero Clicks is just really not like a game that we could get into. Like the magic cards were were rough and even those a lot of them we've gotten rid of and they still store better than Hero Clicks do. Yeah. You know, it, it might be fun to play with somebody else's stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh expensive someone... hobbies with involving lots of storage. I I mean we already got comics, so... And Heroclix is not unlike Magic in that you buy, like, booster packs where you don't know what figures are going to be oh, in them. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I think there are other ways to get things. Like, you can just buy certain figures. But I still think a lot of it is kind of the booster thing. Imagine, as opposed to having, like, ten copies of, like, Lanaware elves, you had, like, ten of this little figure that was kind of useless. All right, well, with that little bit of business out of the way, where we talked about hero clicks, do we have any other business to take care of? Probably not at the start. No, no. All right, well, let's get into the summary. Summary. Civil War number one through four, written by Mark Millar, penciled by Steve McNiven, inked by Dexter Vines, Mark Morales, and Steve McNiven, colored by Maury Hollowell, lettered by Chris Eliopoulos, edited by Molly Laser, Aubrey Sitterson, Andy Schmidt, and Tom Bravort. The superhero team, The New Warriors, while filming a reality show, corner several villains who are holed up in a house in Stanford, Connecticut. Despite these villains being a bit out of their league, they decide to fight for those good, good ratings. After taking it to the bad guys pretty good, Namorita corners Nitro outside. However, Nitro uses his explosion powers to blow up the area, killing the new warriors and an entire school full of children and families. The Avengers and X-Men help clean up the wreckage later, with Cap lamenting the senseless violence and several heroes talking about how this is going to finally end the age of unregulated masked heroes. At a funeral for one of the children, Damien, the child's mother spits in Tony Stark's face, saying that her son's blood is on Tony's hands for, I don't know, like perpetuating the superhero culture? It's a bit of a reach. The Human Torch is attacked by angry bystanders outside a New York City club, and he is later taken to the hospital for his horrible injuries. Several heroes meet at the Baxter Building regarding public sentiment behind registration, with Doctor Strange notably against it, and Iron Man and the Fantastic Four in favor of it. Also, the Watcher shows up for a bit, so you know things are going down. Captain America speaks with Maria Hill aboard a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier where she tries to gauge superhero opinions on registration. Cap tells her it's roughly 50-50, and she asks if there's anyone he couldn't handle. Cap bristles against this, saying he isn't prepared to arrest his friends so that Washington could decide who supervillains are. This doesn't end super well, and he has to fight off S.H.I.E.L.D. agents before jumping out a window and landing on a passing jet. Steve Rogers, ladies and gentlemen. There's an anti-superhero protest outside the White House, with the president concerned that Captain America is a rogue leadership figure. Iron Man appears, telling the president to proceed with registration, and that he would handle Cap. 
Issue number two. S.H.I.E.L.D. finds several supervillains beaten up and chained in a building, and it's evident that Captain America and now others have been fighting crime on the down low. Iron Man, She-Hulk, and other pro-registration heroes stand triumphant over a large downed Doombot, and Iron Man tells his comrades that they are getting people to believe in superheroes again. Several of them seem a little uneasy, and Iron Man explains they're still superheroes, just without the kids and sociopaths. Tigra asks him which of those Cap is, and old Shellhead responds that Cap is simply wrong. Reed excitedly but distractedly explains Hank and Tony's plans for the superhero community, while Sue seems pretty upset about arresting a bunch of their friends. Reed also has a mysterious CD, physical media, weird, titled 42, but refuses to tell Sue about it. At the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson is excited about the impending Registration Act, which is basically what he's worked for his entire life. And while Tony Stark contemplates whether or not he made the right choice, the Superhuman Registration Act becomes law. Later, the Young Avengers are arrested by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but while they are being driven to this 42 thing, Cap's secret Avengers intercept, saving the teens and absconding via spell to their secret base. Cap explains to the teens that this is one of their many safe houses established for them by Nick Fury, and there are many around the world. Dagger yells to Cap that Tony is on TV, ready to make a big announcement. Tony introduces Mrs. Sharp, who is Damien's mother and a big pusher of the Registration Act. And then in a show of goodwill, Spider-Man takes the mic and says superheroes must be more accountable. And then, in a shocker ending... He unmasks and tells his real name to the world. Issue 3. After the shocking revelation, Iron Man asks Black Panther and Doctor Strange separately if they would be willing to join his cause. They both decline, but seem to not be for Cap either. Likewise, Iron Man meets with Emma Frost. He attempts some flirting and asks Emma if the X-Men will join them. Considering the Mutant Registration Act was already kind of a precursor to this, no go. Emma reminds him how the Avengers did Jack after the destruction of Genosha and says the X-Men are staying neutral. Bishop, however, wants to talk to Tony about something before he leaves. At a diner, Cap and some of the secret Avengers hear about a deadly fire at a petrochemical plant and decide it's hero time. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Johnny Storm wakes up wondering where his sister is. The entire secret Avengers group arrives at the plant only to discover a Stark Industries sign. It's a trap! Iron Man and his Avengers hit Wiccan and Cloak with tranquilizers, meaning no escape is possible for Cap and his team. Before any big violence can happen, Iron Man and Cap square off. Iron Man tries for one final time to convince Cap to join them, and Cap asks for five minutes and shakes Tony's hand, only to leave him the ultimate joy buzzer trick in the form of a suit-disrupting electronic gizmo. The big battle royale occurs, with Tony shaking off the gadget and beating Cap to an utter pulp. Hercules comes in to make the save, but Maria Hill, who is remotely monitoring the situation, calls in Codename Lightning. And from the sky comes the lightning and the storm. Thor has returned from the dead. Issue number four. The fight continues in issue number four, with Thor completely whipping up on the Secret Avengers team before Goliath stands up to him. Goliath, however, is no match for Thor, who rips a hole in his chest with a lightning bolt. Thor looks to be ready to do the same to the rest of Cap's team when suddenly Invisible Woman blocks the bolts with her force fields. Cable gets into Cloak's unconscious mind to activate his teleportation, and the Cap team splits. 
Reed Richards shuts down the scare quotes Thor with a code word, and Sue leaves, telling Reed to leave her alone. Back at Avengers Tower, it's revealed that Thor is actually a clone created from a hair that Tony took off of Thor the first time that they met. That's not weird or anything. Hank Pym is feeling pretty awful about his friend Goliath's death, and Spider-Man is having second thoughts about being on this team. Cap is getting healed back up at their base, and kind of frantically raving about his cause. This, as well as the appearance of Thor, causes several members of the team to leave. We cut to Goliath's funeral with a slightly guilty-feeling Tony Stark. Damien's mother attends as well, reminding Tony that it was Goliath's own fault for fighting against the law. To up the pathos, she also gives Tony one of Damien's favorite toys, an Iron Man figure. Reed also notices that Peter Parker is acting a little strangely. The Invisible Woman leaves Reed, leaving him a letter explaining that she and Torch are going over to Cap's side because the registration side is frankly getting a little fascist. She does, however, seem to hope Reed can end the whole thing. After many members of their team begin defecting, Reed and Tony discuss the violence of the angry Thor clone, and they decide that they need to round up the rest of the secret Avengers, and to do so, they will have to rely upon the villains. Definitely a good idea. Alright, Chris. What? Did you think of these first four issues? I have I have a story to tell about about Civil War. Oh, do tell. Yeah. I read Civil War before I got comics and issues. I had a friend who would occasionally buy trade paperbacks, mm. but somewhat less obsessively than say like you know how we get like floppies every week. Right. He would he would just buy ones that he thought were was cool, but he was still kind of a comic book guy. And mm-hmm. he was like, "Chris, you have to read this." And it was, I think, very soon after the trade had come out, because I remembered it would have been in 06 or 07. Mm-hmm. And I read it, and I was like 18 years old, and I thought it was super, super cool. Oh, like the heroes fighting each other, having to take sides. I thought it was with such the a, law or against the law. It was super grown up, and I was like, whoa, comics are grown up now. <laughs> um, which is, of course, like, they. it, it was like a high schoolers version of yeah comics are grown up a a high schooler with a with no specific understanding of real world politics <laughs> i i mean it forces like a question that we've seen a lot in comics just how outside of the law is morally okay for superheroes to operate it makes everybody look wrong yes and it only gets worse from here this is one of the best-selling trade paperbacks, though, that Marvel's ever made. Like, I think it's a consistent seller. Mm. Or at least was for a very long time. You don't really need a lot going into it. No, you definitely don't. Uh, it's helpful, I guess, to know that Thor was dead. But they kind of already say, oh, I thought he was dead. Yes. So, Like, immediately. It maybe ruins the stinger at the end with him. Right. With the, I, when I read it, I was just like, oh man, it's Thor. Like, I, cause I didn't know he was dead. I, right. it was like, this was, this was honestly one of the first comic stories I ever read all the way through. Mm. I, I guess I can, can understand it, but I know there's so much better. Yeah. That it kind of reminds me, and someone's going to say that I'm completely wrong for saying this. There's a story that came out, or, 
I want to say around the same time, but it was probably actually a little bit later. There was a Batman story called Batman Hush. Mm-hmm. Batman Hush is not a particularly good story, but it is a really excellent first go for Batman because it's like the greatest hits of Batman. Mm. Like Superman shows up for a little bit. Like it's got every single one of his villains. It has like old, like Jim Lee art. So it's like very comic booky. I don't know if Civil War is a good first comic, but it was not that confusing although hilariously it is very confusing if you were actually reading comics at the time because everybody acts completely out of character (laughs) yeah i i kept trying to puzzle over how some of these people wound up on the sides that they were on tony stark is a big business owner regulation probably not his his uh his big deal right right I don't know. If you were trying to think of like superheroes alignments, who's who I mean, who would you think would be lawful good? Like is it Tony Stark? And I guess you you have to is lawful good is registration the lawful good? It's just I mean, I guess you could argue that registration is more like lawful neutral, maybe lawful evil. I mean, it could really it could really go either way. The one good point that I think Cap comes up with was, like, I don't want Washington deciding who the supervillains are. Which is fair. Yeah. If you were registering in the United States, which is a country that often, like, throws its weight around in an imperialistic fashion, Mm -hmm. to, you know, what what happens when, say, like, another country is the supervillains because we're having a disagreement over things like a nuclear contract or oil or... Mm -hmm. That's not great. Like, yeah, I I don't know, because registering, I don't know that I fully understand all the details of what this is supposed to look like in this world. If registering is just like getting like a driver's license or if registering means that you are like conscripted into a superhero army of the United States government. Uh, There's a follow up to this story and we can get into it later because you don't know really know how it ends. But it kind of goes into what what they mean. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, this differs from the movie in that the movie was like was like the Avengers will will like be will like have to answer to a committee from the UN, and that to me is already like way better than the than the United States. I mean, the UN still doesn't doesn't have some member states who would probably maybe face the brunt of some. Right, but like I mean, given what the United States government has done to mutants. Yeah, like, oh, no thanks. Right. <laughs> right. Like, how long before they're like, all right, Cap, time for you to take down, you know, the X-Men. Right. Although Cap Cap is... Anytime Captain America's in an X-Men comic, you're like, oh, no. Because <laughs> he's always, like, a kind of bad guy. I just want, at one point, Cap to come in and, like, save some X-Men and everybody be like, yay, Cap's finally come to his senses. Because... <laughs> Anytime Cap is in an X-Men comic, it's like when you're having a really fun but loud party and you hear a knock at the door and it's a cop. That's Captain America. He's like, (laughs) he's like, well, come on now. I'm going to have to, I don't want to be the bad guy here, but you're going to have to turn down this loud music of Mm -hmm. existing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but, um, the, so the, the writer of this is a is a guy named Mark Millar. Mm-hmm. Mark Millar is very known for doing things that are just intentionally shocking, somewhat for the sake of being shocking. I hate that 
I mean, this is not even the first crossover we've read, where the first issue contains the death of many, many children. Right. And I don't like it as a plot device. I think I think that's become less in vogue as time has gone on. People love to say that the 90s were a dark time for comics. I think they were actually kind of like an extreme neon time for comics. I think the mid-2000s were kind of a dark time for comics. I am definitely, I mean, I as the more I read of older comics, the more I agree with you definitely there. I mean, like the 90s stories to, like, we've read? Phalanx Covenant? Yeah, or like, that's a 90s comic. Zero Hour is a 90s comic. Mm-hmm. And say what you want about Zero Hour, it is not particularly, like, dark. Right. It is, in fact, cast often in neon lights. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I need to find something in the audience that I, that I really like. Because it, it hasn't been the crossovers that we've read so far. Readers, tell Christy something she'd like from the mid-2000s. Uh, you probably know her at this point. You've listened <laughs> to so many episodes. You know what Christy likes. You let her know. I can't think of anything right now because oh. I only I only read extre- I only read the 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 dark stuff. Kind of. well, yeah, that's probably true. Right now, like the bar is like no casual racism or overt racism, and no murdering of nameless children. Whew, yeah. All right, we got our work cut out for us. <laughs> but. So uh, other things that Mark Millar has written, I guess this is a this is a swear word. So we we may I'll try to do it the best we can. Uh, you've seen the movie version of this. It is about quote unquote realistic superheroes. It is oh. kick a word. Oh, okay. He wrote the comic on that based off of that that was based off of. Oh, okay. Which is maybe worse than the movie. I think the movie was a little bit more fun. It's nice when adaptations can make something better than what it was. I wonder if the Civil War movie is better than the Civil War comics. I think they both have some pretty intense problems. But the comics, like, Iron Man looks like a complete fascist. And Cap looks like a like a crazed, like, he looks like someone who would, like, occupy one of those buildings in Oregon with all, like, their militia pals. <laughs> like, I feel like we are not, we're not really having a good, good thing here. And I think Mark Millar was probably supposed to try to make them both look bad but he definitely first made cap look good and then he just got like more and more out there so what is the good superhero response in this scenario like who would be the group that we would fight for what would they be doing so in real life if there were a group of people who are who were you know like brawling in the streets with other powered people Mm -hmm. i feel like i would want maybe something going on but I don't know if if this is what it would be. Mm-hmm. But like, just like letting vigilantes run wild in like the real world is maybe not a, a great idea. And I think that is different than say like mutant registration. So you'd want a group of superheroes or powered individuals to take a stand for a different way or a, a, a different way of civilizing it uh, without like the u.s government being the ones in charge yeah and but like that's the weird thing is things like this it's like well who else can is gonna be like Like, in charge yeah who else would be a governing body maybe if there was an independent body that dealt with these sorts of things but i don't think there's like a a good real world analog like it can't be gun control because they're still people right right um like, Man, I kept thinking about gun control. But it can't this, be though. their people. I, I know, I know. But I'm just like, you know, uh, 
a school full of children. Right. You know, murdered yep. and like, we must do something. And I'm like, the government in this comic is doing something. This is like unbelievable. Yeah, the fa- <laughs> that is that's one of the most unrealistic parts. Is, you know, someone would be would be thoughts and prayers saying <laughs> thoughts and prayers to uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And that, I think that was supposed to be the analog that you're that like the obvious analog you're supposed to think of. Mm-hmm. But there is there's only so far the metaphor can go. I can't even remember if it was supposed to be everybody with powers registered or just if you operate to save people but if if, but like i think it's criminalizing acts of vigilante vigilanteism if you are not registered i think like right but then you are just like a super cop and i don't really think that's good either so it's it's so like i i seems like under the system you would be able to have powers just not use them to fight crime but with with the x-men's whole mutant registration act it was if you are a mutant you have to register right and that's rough that's right, whether not or not okay. you want to. But again, that is not a perfect analog to anything in the in the real world. No, it is that that's that's why it's a metaphor. So it's it's kind of tough. But it, it's like this comic does not make you like anything. <laughs> right, you're like, oh, everybody's awful. Like even some of the the, the shocker decisions. Mm-hmm. Spider Man revealing his identity goes incredibly poorly in the Spider Man book. Aunt May eventually gets shot by somebody. Oh, I'm sure. So that was like a terrible idea. Like right. it, it like his whole like I'm going to protect my identity for everything was proven to be a completely great idea. <laughs> and a lot of the people who were for it kind of already have their identities out. Right. She She-Hulk does not have a secret identity. Right. But she doesn't need one. What are you going to do? Attack She-Hulk when when she's sleeping? She'll just turn into <laughs> She-Hulk. <laughs> and like Tony Stark is like a is like a billionaire. He doesn't he doesn't really need to worry about things like that. Mhm. Whereas, like the young Avengers are teenagers, so so they can't even register. They cannot. They would. I think they they are They're not underage. Underage. But this also means Captain America is utilizing child soldiers, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we can get into a lot of use of child soldiers in comics, in comics because yes. it happens a lot. To, in my mind, I like it better when it's them choosing to do it rather than if if there's like some like. The idea of Professor Xavier and the original five X-Men is less palatable to me than Miss Marvel, like the current superhero kind of deciding she wants to do it and doing it for herself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I if I have like an incredibly good reason other than just like one seems indoctrinating and one seems like someone making their own decisions. Mm-hmm. But a lot of a lot of weird stuff with that. But we get like one of the absolute coolest moments in that uh Emma Frost is basically like go away forever. Right. Although we also get the not cool moment of in the same scene finding out that she and Tony used to just casually hook up. <laughs> Emma Frost and Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like it. Sorry, Tony Stark fans. I know you exist. I know some of you even listen to this podcast. It's just I'm, I'm not into it. No. Yeah. Uh, I did really enjoy J. Jonah Jameson falling out of his chair. Oh, finding that was, out. That was a really fun moment. Him finding out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. This doesn't ruin this story, but this is before the infamous Spider-Man story, One More Day, Mm. where Spider-Man makes a deal with the devil to erase his marriage to bring back Aunt May after she is shot as a result of himself doing, uh, unmasking himself. So recently in comics, Spider-Man has revealed himself again to J. Jonah Jameson because as part of the erasure of the marriage, Everybody somehow forgot that Spider-Man was uh, 
was oh. Peter Parker. Okay. Yes. However, now J. Jonas Jameson is like helping him out. Aww. Uh, Aww. Yeah, I know. It's kind of nice. He's not great at it. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a really great issue called My Dinner with Jonah, where Spider-Man just like sits down and has dinner with J. Jonah Jameson and eventually whips off his, his mask. That is a much better reveal than this one is. I, this one, you don't really, because, because of the nature of this event where it's mostly the Tony and Cap story, a lot of the secondary characters just kind of get vignettes. Yeah. And I don't think you get enough lead up to Spider-Man doing that. I'm sure that, I mean, that's what tie-ins are for, but it would be, it would have been maybe cool to see him like wrestling with it or something. Mm-hmm. But then that would, the reveal was literally just a out of nowhere reveal. So it would kind of take away from that. But it's a real Mark Millar thing. He just loves these like, boom, boom, boom. Other fun moments, moments that you enjoyed despite our problems with the story. Uh, Cap jumping through the helicarrier window with his shield in front of him and landing on a jet and just convincing the guy to go land somewhere. That's kind of <laughs> wild. And apparently like bought him breakfast. <laughs> That's mentioned in the text is that he, he had the guy land and then bought him breakfast. Oh, yep. I didn't realize that. I enjoyed the disguises for... <laughs> <laughs> They're the... awful. <laughs> <laughs> them just sitting in a diner and they're ridiculous. Cap with a mustache is Oof. is uh, not a good look. Not a good look. Although no. he he looked not unlike recently. Chris Evans kind of had this like almost like he had this weird kind of hair that looked like an array like a pencil eraser and a mustache, <laughs> where he looked like a school principal, and uh, it kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> oh, we kind of have to talk a little bit about Goliath dying. Yes. Because it is another example, an egregious example of superhero people of color being used as collateral damage in crossovers. This happens again in Civil War 2. To Goliath or to another hero? War Machine. Oh. Oh, yeah. I know that. I've read some of the tie-ins to Civil War (laughs) 2. Right. I cannot believe they somehow did it twice. Also, Goliath was barely a character in Marvel at this point. So his introduction and like kind of becoming central to this was like whenever the Star Trek original uh, series crew would be like, all right, it's away mission time. It's Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock. And so he got red shirt. He got a red shirt. And <laughs> here comes Gary. <laughs> wow, Captain, I'm really excited for my first away mission. I know. And I'm excited to go to your wedding next week. I know. It's really like. <laughs> really pile it on. But it's, it's like, it's like they should not. Have, like picking Goliath specifically, I think, was a pretty bad idea uh, overall. But it's 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 not shocking for the time, and I wanted it's it got better. But Civil War Two came out like four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, also, his whole like having to be buried large thing is makes no sense to me. Oh God, yeah, um, that was that was so that was so that was so silly. That Tony Stark bought what like thirty six burial plots to bury him. Pin particles work on inanimate things. I don't like they work on living bodies. We know that. They work on inanimate things. Right. I don't know why they wouldn't I, work. I mean, Wasp and Hip Man were on their side. They they could've they could have. It that it's ludicrous. They just wanted a bit where he was like lowered down on helicopters, I feel like, because they're like, look at look at this. And also to, you know, keep Tony as somewhat the good guy for paying for that many burial plots. Yeah, and then you get the other lady saying, no, this was cool. This was like if if he was some punk that tried to shoot at a cop, which... Oh! 
No. I don't know if he did that on purpose, but it was... Ooh. <sighs> that was a rough line. Especially since Tony seemed to be like, yeah, that is that is kind of true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes you look way worse, Iron Man. Gosh. How do you think this conflict's going to end, Christy? We still have three more issues. Uh, I mean, I think that all of the heroes are going to just decide that they should be registered and that the future of comics after 2006 will just be, you know, U.S. endorsed heroes. Yeah. I think that's how it ends. That's how it ends. Definitely goes that way. <laughs> In the superhero <laughs> justice system. There are two. <laughs> what if it was superheroes but SVU? And you'd have somebody that would be, that would be like... They got these kids so drugged up and they're shooting laser lights at them, telling them aliens are trying to abduct them. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to do one of the iced tea things. Do you remember those memes where it was iced tea? Like, they got these kids so so much on on whatever that they they shine a light in their eyes and convince them that they're on the sun. Yeah, it's bad because they always go to iced tea for explaining whatever new street drug there is. Goodness sakes, SVU. <laughs> is SVU still going? It's got to be done by now, right? I think it's done. I don't know. It went forever. It went longer than Law and Order, the original. I, I think I watched like at least 10 seasons. <laughs> it was still going a few years ago, though. It was. It might be. Did they still rip things from the headlines? Do you think yeah. SVU in the yeah. Marvel Universe had a oh, rip from the headlines of Civil oh War? Oh my gosh. Where they're like, there's a new superhero reality show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they'll have to, like, you know, they're trying to to question the producer of the show. And, like. And he's like, what? It's harmless. It gets good ratings. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> and then they're like, he's not telling the truth. <laughs> that angle was also very mid, mid-2000s. Mark Millar was like, what if it would, there was a reality show, but only for a few pages and no uh, one comes out of it looking good? Yeah. Okay, so Audis, we had reality TV. Yep. Underwear above the pants. Correct. Like thongs, and not whale tail in it, but deliberately pulling your thong up so it shows. Yep. Yep. And uh, Paris and Lindsay references. Yeah. Mark Millar uh, in The Ultimates, which he also wrote, which is the Ultimate Comics version of the Avengers, mm-hmm. had a bit where Tony Stark is chilling on his um, his satellite with Shannon Elizabeth, who was um, – she was an actress well, – she, she, I believe she's still an actress, but she was very popular in the early 2000s for being in movies like American Pie and Jay and Silent Bob Strike oh. Back. And it is – it is, Mark Millar loves to like very much date his comics. I feel like, like, yeah, I, like if if our kid reads Ultimates, please don't, please don't, Chris. Let's uh, read Ultimates in ten years. They're going to be like, Dad, who's Shannon Elizabeth? <laughs> <laughs> but the whole deal was supposed to be Tony Stark was hanging out with an attractive actress in outer space, but they he got he got specific with it, right? Just make it an attractive actress who's only in the Marvel universe. Oh man, are there spe- other than Mary Jane Watson? I'm not sure if there are a whole lot of Marvel Universe specific actors and actresses. Um, well, you read the Amazing MJ mini, and yes, there is. There are several producers, directors. One There's of a which, whole film industry. One of which is named after our uh, friend Vishal. Yes, that's true. <laughs> At least in last name. 
All right. Well, I think we're going to be wrapping up this here episode. Yeah. We ready after. to get into accolades. Accolades. All right, Christy, what is the best line in this here comic? Z- all four. All right. So uh, best line should be no surprise. It's 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 got to go to Emma Frost. Oh, is it? Where were you when Genosha died, Iron Man? Where were you when our babies were burning? Yep. Hit it. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. (laughs) I almost gave it to, my name is Peter Parker and I've been Spider-Man since I was 15 years old. Because it's like, it's like kind of iconic at this point. Yeah. Um, I don't want it to be, but I think it is. But this is just so much better. The way we, it's like the only, the only really good line. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is this is the best thing we get. This is maybe the best thing we get in these four issues. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Greatest hero? Sure. Greatest hero? Um, so mine has to go to Sue Storm for the moment when she puts her, like, force field around the Rebels. Do we call, do we call them Rebels? Caps team? Rebels? It's a trap for the Rebels? <laughs> Is this Star Wars? <laughs> but she protects them during their retreat. And I was like, well, that's pretty hero- heroic. She does. I don't know if I'm fully in agreement with everything that Sue Storm does in this comic, but I can support her in this. So I also gave it to Sue Storm. Another daily double? A double double. A double double. Hit it again, Maddie Wilson. Not really earning a salary around here. <laughs> Um, for the same reason, or for yeah, other and, and for tr- changing her mind in the face of of something, like realizing she was wrong. Uh, but I, I had a tough time. I literally wrote, um, hmm, uh, Sue Storm, maybe. What a toughie. <laughs> but then she also has that moment where she's like, "I'm gonna have one more nice evening with my husband," and like explained the thing she did. And Mark Millar had to put in a bit where it's like, "We also banged." Good for the immune system. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was that was a little bit of why I wanted to specify what moment I was uh, giving her her. Not for that. Not not the moment where she pretends everything is totally all right, avoids talking to her husband, and abandons her children. Okay, but she couldn't take him with her. <laughs> I know she. I know. Okay, but just just to leave your kids with no explanation to them. Look, and- there's. There's a new comic that came out and last And to leave your kids with Reed Richards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> leave your kids with Ben Grimm. There you go. Although Ben eventually decides to just like go to France for the rest of the Civil War. Good idea, Ben. He's like, we're done. <laughs> but um, there is a comic that just came out uh, like the, the the week before we recorded this, or mm-hmm. the week of when we recorded this, called X-Men versus Fantastic Four. And uh, there's a lot of t- talk over it, but it is really hard to like completely say the Fantastic Four are, are make for great parents, especially Reed is a terrible father, and Sue has moments where she's not the world's greatest mother. <sighs> she's way better than than Reed Richards, though. That's just I she should have divorced him a- ages and ages ago. Yes, yes, like. This would be a good time. He kind of is not great early on, but it's portrayed as like a positive characteristic. He's just like a real like manly scientist. And he's like, I can't be distracted with my woman's romances and stuff. But it's supposed to be like a real like. (laughs) I don't know. All right. All right. What's the coolest moment? 
Uh, I think when Thor comes down, the big stinger. No way! Did you also put that? Yes! Ah, triple-double! Triple-double! Oh gosh, readers. So, we did this fun thing with Infinite Crisis where you got to vote which of us you thought did the better house. super boring this time. Super boring. Nothing to vote between. Uh, Okay, okay, but, but silly villainy. Okay, so, um... Silly Villainy goes to uh, Reed Richards for his whole, for Thor, for... Oh, thinking that that's like an appropriate thing to do with your friend. I'm going to make a clone of a friend of mine, and he's also a cyborg, kind of. He's going to be my friend, the murder machine. (laughs) My dinner with murder machine. Wow, I really want to make a clone of my friend who's like a noble character and speaks a lot in like Shakespearean kind of tones and he's just really he's like a really just kind of like noble warrior but i really just want him to have like less scruples <laughs> i want him to do a hundred percent more killings <laughs> alas poor thor i knew him well and cloned him alas poor thor i cloned him well <laughs> uh, my silly villainy is the superpowered villains who are hanging out in the suburbs mm. and they're just wearing normal clothes I like that a lot. Like they are they trying to I keep feeling like they're trying to not be villains anymore. That's right. So they're just, just like living, living a normal life. They're like, wow, we did a lot of villainy and that's not great, but we're gonna try to just be cool. And the new warriors are like, What's up? Time to bust up in your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanna know like did I think they... that was sweet villainy more than silly villainy. <laughs> Do you think they had a chore wheel? <laughs> Yeah. Nitro, it's your turn to take out the garbage. I don't want to take out the garbage. That's how Nitro sounds, by the way. (sighs) All right. Well, uh, that was our first accolade that was not a daily double for this episode. Can we do it with the key of C? Okay. So key of C, I feel like Sooth Storm, that whole leaving Reed and her letter Mm -hmm. needed to be a song. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I, yeah, I definitely envision, and I like the, it with the whole montage of like her, her day, everything that she goes through on, you know, our last day together. That might even be like the title of the, the song, uh. you know, last day together. And just all the things that she wants to say to read about him being like a really horrible person and a bad father and maybe not a great husband, like all of his faults, all the things that she wants to throw in her face, but she doesn't because why? I don't know. Because she, because she loves him on our last day together. Uh, I wanted to give a solo to Tony Stark kind of wrestling with the superhero registration act, like right before it it goes into effect at midnight. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be a good one, too. I kind of imagined, uh, you know how at the end of Les Mis, Javert has a moment where he has to, like, wrestle with the fact that he is doing something morally wrong, but it's, like, for the law, and he ends up, like, I think killing himself? Yeah. Not that, because he obviously doesn't kill himself, but mm-hmm. something kind of where he's wrestling with, with his conscience over it. Mm-hmm. It would be great if he'd gotten the doll prior to the song, the action oh, figure. Oh, and he could, like, look at the doll. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a reminder of all of the mm-hmm. all of the children. Do you think there could be a, a a cool moment that would be like the confrontation from Les Mis between Iron Man and Captain America? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Les Mis works as a great format for a lot of superhero comics. 
Yeah, it's because it's, it's like the high drama. <laughs> yep. Oh. I, I kind of want to write a uh, a parody of the confrontation with Tony Stark. And <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll try to do that this week. Although it's a very busy week. <laughs> it is a very busy week. All right. Okay, so three out of our five accolades, we were in total agreement. Yep. Maybe there's not that much uh, good about this guy. <laughs> we looked for the good bits, and there aren't many options. Yeah. Well, we are slowly but surely making our way through the Bendis era of crossovers, even if this one isn't actually by Brian Michael Bendis. The era. The Bendis era. Now he's on Superman. I actually think he's doing a great job on Superman. But, I mean, he didn't write Civil War. I think Bendis probably would have written it better. It would have been quippier. Yes. But I think people... Bendis has this, has this ability, I think, to make a lot of people really likable. And I think uh, Mark Millar has the opposite ability. Yeah, I don't like anybody. <laughs> um, Emma Frost. Yes. As always. And Doctor Strange stays out of it. Yes. Which is, which is smart. He's like, I got things. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm the Sorcerer Supreme of the entire dimension. Like, I cannot worry about this. <laughs> All right, readers, thank you for sticking with us. And thank you for sharing out our tweets. Yeah, there's been some good engagement this week. We've been we've been trying to put out some more stuff on Twitter for you guys. Uh, thank you for reviews on iTunes. I've really been enjoying reading them out. Yeah, so please, if you want to get in on this fun, review us on iTunes or Facebook. Give us those five stars. We'll read them out on the show. Or you can uh, follow us at Chris's Pod on Twitter or at Chris's Pod on Facebook to get in on some of this fun content. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to start putting more of it even on Facebook. Yeah, there we do. We have several Facebook followers that, that actually do like to interact. Yay! There's like five. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you to all of you. Oh, good for you for trying to limit your social media platforms. Yeah. Facebook should probably go in the can, but what are you going to do? <laughs> um, if you want to send us a long form message, you can do so at chrisisoninfiniteearths at gmail.com. You can also support us uh, at patreon.com slash chrisispod. We have lots of levels and fun things there. Uh, in March, we are going to record our promised bonus episode of covering Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Also, if you happen to be at C2E2 uh, in a couple weeks here, Chris and I will be there along with some other podcasting friends, and we would love to say hi to you. Yeah, so if you recognize us cra- traveling in our big crowd, be the two of us, podca- podcasting zone, Adam Reck and uh, Zach Jenkins, the young ones' own uh, Charlie Davis, and I think that's everybody podcasting-wise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I will be fairly recognizable in a uh, Kate Pride from Marauders look. Yeah, it'll be cool. It's pretty, it's, it's getting close to done. Close to done. We'll get there. I think I'm going to try and make a Lockheed. We'll see how it goes. Oof. We'll see if I have the time. <laughs> I'll see if you have the time. <laughs> Readers, don't forget to check out, uh, Christy and I write all t- kinds of articles on www.xavierfiles.com. Yeah. All of our weekly X-Men stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely the Civil War I is uh, putting some different perspectives on uh, the clones from Captain Marvel. That I've been right. I've been covering Captain Marvel. True. I'm like, oh, maybe there's a good reason that they've only got Thor's head. Fair. 
All right. Well, thank you, readers. And until next time. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.